Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 180 of the Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80 great co host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, it's been a minute here. No episodes last week. It was a little weird, but hey, we're back strong with a great episode tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We've got a great guest, and I'm looking forward to this topic, actually. I've had a, a couple of friends reach out and say, hey, y'all should do a show about college baseball. And we've actually never done one covering. You know, other than FYPD stuff and yep. you know, the college baseball season is starting up. So, you know, we, we couldn't think of a better guest to join us in this episode is going to be great. And yeah, we apologize for the week off. It was definitely tough, but we're excited to be on a new network and get everything up and running. And like I said, we have some plenty of shows coming your way over the next few weeks. We, we will make it up to y'all with plenty <laughs> of episodes. We'll be hitting some college, a lot of draft stuff, you know, dynasty prospects, the whole nine really ramping up with you know about two months or so till opening day like chris said the college season's right on the corner as well so that's why we brought on this fine gentleman who is one of the best in the business at everything he does and especially with with college and minor league side he is the director of mlb draft content for prospect live you can follow him on twitter at joe doyle m-i-l-b of course mr joe doyle joe how's it going man thanks for joining us i'm good fellas thank you for having me on and Boy, congratulations on over 180 episodes. That is a, that's quite an achievement. Very cool. Thank you, man. It, it, it's surreal too, because it feels like Chris and I just started this. We started it like late October, 2020, you know, it was after the whole, you know, crazy, you know, COVID, you know, lost minor league season, all that jazz. So it was kind of a weird time to be starting it up, but we wanted to, you know, work together and do something. And then it was like, yeah, let's do a podcast. And yeah, here we are. Two, over two two years later it's crazy but amazing that's amazing yeah. thank you thank you sir I, I gotta give you props on your background right now i know people can't see this but the stuff you got all the baseball prospectus you got bats you got balls you got cards like is that a griffey picture i see like right behind you <laughs> yeah griffey? A, i can't it, tell it's it awesome. is uh let me see i'll move this way yeah there you go yeah, yeah it's I like got... a it's like a water paint griffey painting that it's actually i don't know if you, it's actually signed in the bottom corner i don't know awesome. if you can see that i, I can't yeah, i can see a, the picture that's awesome it's a cool little cool little piece and actually i don't know if you can see this either but i got that one of a kind Julio oh, rodriguez on mlb the show one out of one but anyways no i appreciate the kind words guys that's it's it's been a cool little man cave that i've developed here <laughs> That's like awesome. I've got, of course, you being a, a Seattle guy, big Mariners fan. That makes sense to have Griffey and Julio Rodriguez there, who might be the next one to kind of follow in Griffey's footsteps. At least I'm sure that's the hope for for many out in that area. But yeah. So yeah, as as we both kind of alluded to, we're doing a college baseball. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it a college baseball preview. We're just, we're talking a lot of the you know, the big names that you might see at the top of next year or this year. I keep forgetting it's 2023 right now. This year's draft class in the summertime, one of the big names, maybe some hitters that could rise up boards this spring. Because as we know, there's always those handful of names that, you know, go from being third, fourth, fifth round guys, or even lower up to, you know, second, first round guys, even top tens. That's, that's the beauty of this game. 
players pop out of nowhere all the time. So we'll kind of hit on a lot of different players here, get Joe's take on a lot of these fun names, and have a lot of fun along the way. But before we get into the show here, the usual housekeeping. You can find us all on Twitter. As I said, Joe is at Joe Doyle, M-I-L-B. Chris is at Rotoclag. I am at Eric Cross 4 And our show is at Toolshed Pod. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me from me and Chris's subsect more work from him. And before we get into the show, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up using the promo code Toolshed, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And that can be used on any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB Best Balls, which are now all launched. Individual player pickups. I've been doing a lot of those lately across all their sports and so much more. Sign up today using the code Toolshed at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P dash the dash Toolshed. All right, Joe, before we get into a lot of the players on the docket tonight, give me the floor for a quick second here just to, so you can promote all the good things going on over at Prospects Live. Yeah, I mean, if you head over to Prospects Live, actually, I, I don't know when this is going to air, but tomorrow we're dropping a refreshed top 300 2023 MLB draft prospects. So you can find that at prospectslive.com under the MLB draft tab. That'll come with an accompanying top 100 high school prospects and top 100 college prospects. So, you know, if you find yourself really trying to get into college baseball or really trying to get into the MLB draft and really don't know where to start, I tend to think Prospects Live is going to be a pretty good tool for you. Next week, we're also releasing a command center. It'll be volume two of the command center. It's a one-click link. It'll have a link to every single game that is currently going on in college baseball, as well as the top 300 prospects that are in that game, as well as a live scoreboard. So, you know, if, if you don't know where there's the thing about college baseball, there's 180 games going on every weekend, right? <laughs> if you want to catch the game that has the most top prospects that could be pros, we're trying to make that easier for you. So you can head over there. And then if you really like this draft discussion, you can head over to my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash overslot. And that's an MLB draft centric weekly podcast. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Like we were saying before we started recording, I remember when you guys started this, you know, good four or five years ago now, just to see where it's, where it's gone now and how, you know, great you guys are, are doing stuff over there on the prospect and draft side of things. Absolutely. Anybody that you know wants to learn more about prospects, you know, college players, high school players, draft stuff, the whole nine, Prospects Live has you covered there. So great stuff as usual. All right, let's start with some some of the top college bats this year. And there's no real other place to start. There's a lot of fun names at the top of this draft board. At least you know things can change, obviously, but the kind of unquestioned number one right now, in basically everyone's eyes, is Dylan Cruz outfielder from Louisiana State University, had a big year 2021 and followed it up with a, maybe an even bigger year in 2022. You look at that, a 349, 463, 691 slash line, showing the power, 22 home runs and just 307 plate appearances, can steal a little bit as well, great approach. Joe, you know, is he, you're on question number one, I'm sure he is, and like, why should people be so excited about Dylan Cruz? Yeah, so. I think surprisingly, it might surprise a lot of people that he's our 1A. We do have a 1B. Ooh. I think, yeah, so I, I do think Dylan Cruz is a premium prospect. I don't think he's a can't-miss prospect by any means, but I think that all the signs point to a guy that's going to be a, a pretty fantastic big leaguer. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're talking about a right-field profile who hits the ball extremely hard. In fact, I would say that his batting average is buoyed 
quite nicely with how hard he hits the ball. It's kind of one of his saving graces. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that is probably going to go out there, especially with the lineup protection that LSU is giving him this year. He'll probably hit, you know, 325 to 340. He'll probably run into, you know, 20 to 25 homers. And he's a good enough athlete to steal a base for you. And he's a good enough right fielder to throw a guy out who's trying to advance to third. He's more he's more likely than not the only real top like five tool guy at the top of this class on the college side. Mm-hmm. I think my only question mark would be, you know, at the next level, he does have some swing and miss issues. Like it's not the greatest contact rate. So you do kind of wonder if he's going to have a high batting average as a pro. But I mean, if, if we're projecting out, it looks like a guy that could hit like 245 to 255 at the next level with like 35 to 40 home runs at his peak. So he's a really explosive player and really fun to watch. Yeah, is is the uh, the 1B that you alluded to, is that person on our list tonight? I would imagine so. He's number two on just about everyone's board. It's actually number three on your guys' board, Wyatt Langford. And I can just jump into that if you want. Yeah, sure. Go, go right ahead. Yeah, so Florida outfielder. He'll be playing center field for Florida this year. Dylan Cruz probably in right field for LSU, but... Florida outfielder, six foot one, two hundred and eight pounds, two hundred and ten pounds, had better numbers than Dylan Cruz in every single statistical measure last year. So that's kind of surprising when you're talking about Dylan Cruz, the guy who's been the preeminent number one overall prospect on this class for, you know, two or three years now. Wyatt Lankford was better in, you know, almost every conceivable way. Now here's the thing that that Cruz has that Lankford doesn't. Cruz has a, a plus throwing arm. He can play right field. Langford probably just more fringe average to average with throwing arm. But if you're talking about a pure bat, like if we're just talking about a bat, Wyatt Langford might have a half grade better hit tool. And, you know, if, if, if that means that we're talking about a 260 hitter who hits 30 to 40 home runs at the next level and he has to be in left field, well, maybe you're talking about, you know, prime Tyler O'Neill there, 2020, 2021 Tyler O'Neill. So I think a case could be made for both players to be the number one overall pick if the draft was today. And that's very yeah. exciting. I was a bit surprised when I, I saw some you know, EVs on Langford, and it, it I will say it caught me a, a bit by surprise that he was just, you know, hit the ball, I won't say so much harder than Cruz, but his numbers were better than Cruz. I mean, the average EV I saw was, you know, two mile, two and a half miles an hour higher. It <laughs> near 94 yeah. miles an hour. It's kind of nuts to see that. And like, whoa, like that was eye-popping. And you look at like the, the max and the 90th percentile EVs and, it's highly impressive right there. And you know, obviously both LSU and Florida being, you know, elite programs. So you always see these guys kind of, you know, tend to really perform. And I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them were the top pick, like you said, but who knows with the pirates, they tend to do some some <laughs> whack things. So yeah. Yeah. yeah ben really Charrington, know. he's probably gonna have I mean, this is a good class. There there might legitimately be six different players who you could make a case to be the number one overall pick. And this is not a shameless plug, but it is, I think, noteworthy. On my podcast that drops February 16th, I go over who I think is going to be the number one pick, and it's nobody that we've listed here. So, I mean, kind of a sleeper teaser, if you will. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love like it, though. I like it. Yeah, and like Chris said, you know, Charrington, Pittsburgh, who knows where they're going to go. But, you know, you, you mentioned that this class as a whole. How would How do you kind of level up this class against you know this past draft class the 2022 class do you think it's better a little bit worse where are they where are they in comparison for you yeah definitely better for me than the 2022 class the the thing that we've really struggled with the last two years is the college talent has just not been there 
And I think when you don't have college talent, you don't have a floor. And when you don't have a floor, there's a lot of volatility at the at the pro level as to what these guys are going to turn into. And I kind of think the same about the 2021 class as well. 2020, I would say it's a bit of a toss up, but 2019 is is certainly on par with what 2023 looks like. So I would say, you know, this this class might not have a star. We'll find out. I think Chase Dolander is the closest thing to being a star, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But it's just deep. I mean, this this draft is going to be, you know, 30 to 45 players deep. And, and I think the last two drafts, there's been a significant fall off after like, you know, 12 to 15 picks. So in terms of depth, it, it makes it for a really exciting day one. Uh, absolutely yeah when i started digging in to this draft class kind of like i switched over from 2022 to 2023 i was like i was really really excited like you said like last couple especially 2022 especially like yeah there was a lot of fun names obviously drew jones elijah green termar and all them holiday but yeah there's a lot of well they're they're exciting you know these high school bats obviously as we know you mentioned the floor isn't quite there with them even even how good we think they are they don't have as much experience as these college bats that we're seeing in this year's draft class so it, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Like, all right, we got some good collegiate talent for the first time in, in a couple of years here. So it's going to be a really fun, you know, really fun spring, seeing how these guys shake out in the draft, which is about, oh, about what, five or so months away. Coming, you know, he'll be here before we know it. But yeah, Dolander, too. I mean, we'll get to him in a minute. I freaking love Chase Dolander. I, I haven't yeah, been this excited about, about I haven't <laughs> been this excited about a collegiate pitcher in, I, I don't even know how long. So, but we'll get into it. We'll get into Dolander here in a minute, but Chris, did you have any other thoughts on Cruz or Langford? Both studs, and they both come to South Carolina this year, LSU and Florida, so I'm hopefully get to see them, hopefully be there for those series. So I'm pumped Sorry. about that. Man, I'm jealous. That's like, I, obviously, I love living up here in Maine, but at the same time, like, there's, there's no, like, good collegiate baseball up here. <laughs> I gotta I gotta travel for that. That's why, like, you know, once my kids are growing, I might be, you know, joining you down in the southeast Come there on. or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. You, you guys get it gets really humid down there, though. You get you got to work on that humidity for me, Chris. Though it's better than all the snow, man. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah, Chris will just <laughs> snap his fingers and get that fixed for you. <laughs> that that is true. I was on, I took the kids down to the Boston Aquarium this on Saturday, and it was the coldest day in the last. I think they said like eighteen, nineteen years here. It was at night. It was negative fifteen with a, but it said you know it felt like negative forty one because of the wind chill. So yeah, I can live without that. That's for sure. I'll, I'll deal with the humidity if that's what I believe. But brutal. Uh, yeah, it certainly was. But all right, next player on the list here after, you know, obviously Cruz Langford, they're my one, two right now with, you know, Max Clark in the middle of there as well. But we'll talk about high school guys at another point in time, just the collegiate guys right now. Jacob Gonzalez is another guy that is going to likely be, you know, very high draft pick on, on draft day. Nice, you know, hit, blend of hit and power, shortstop for Mississippi. Joe, tell us about Jacob Gonzalez. Yeah, Jacob Gonzalez is really interesting to me because there are some mechanical and operational things in his swing that scouts don't love, and he's probably going to move off of the position. He's probably going to be a third baseman at the next at the next level. Honestly, it's not too dissimilar from the package that Brooks Lee brought to the to the table last year. Super super high contact rates, super super you know low chase rates. Uh, the power is at you know solid average to above average. Like it's the guy that could hit twenty to twenty five homers at the next level, but everyone's just kind of wondering like how the mechanical pieces of his swing are going to move on to the next level of pro ball. I don't know if you got, you guys probably know what this means, but he steps in the bucket pretty hard. Like he throws his hips really early and he's just kind of able to manipulate the barrel and throw the ball all over the field. So, you know, 
we've seen that do a lot of prospects in once they start seeing really elite stuff. But I mean, there's nothing more that Jacob Gonzalez can do. Like he's, you know, elite contact rates, elite chase rates. He hits the breaking ball. He hits velocity. He plays shortstop, plays in the SEC. And the track record is really long. So at the end of the day, you're kind of just looking at it like, well, are you buying the performance or do you have to trust your eyes? I think ultimately the performance is going to keep him inside of the top 10 picks so long as he, you know, performs like he has the last two years. But where his eventual home is going to be on the diamond and like where he'll hit in an order, that kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of what I've seen is like, yeah, where does he end up in the field? Like the, the bat, you really can't question. Although that you know doesn't provide a ton of speed, so people listening to this looking for that, you know the power speed blend probably not going to be there. But like you mentioned, Brooks, I think Brooksley is a very good comp. Look at what he's done so far at Miss, Mississippi in the last two years: more walks than strikeouts both years, showing the power. You know the OBP over 400 both years. So yeah, Dickon Gonzalez, I think he's for me just like a tick down from you know the, the other two names we mentioned, but. Still a very good bat that'll probably be, you know, for FYPD purposes, you know, probably a top 10 player, maybe pushing top five, depending on how he looks this year. So definitely exciting for me. What kind of power output do you see him getting to? Because you look at the, like the home run totals, like 18 last year's a really solid output. But I guess yeah. I'm wondering like what you see, like him projecting to be like as a, as a pro player. I mean, it's kind of hard. Like I, I as a, as an evaluator, I really do get stuck on the swing. Like, I'm not going to mince my words about it. I, I think Jacob Gonzalez is a fantastic player, and he's going to be pitched around a little bit this year. And so we're going to see whether or not that hit tool can can really buoy when he's not protected like he has been. But, I mean, listen, the guy ran almost a 90% contact rate last year. His max exit below was over 108 miles an hour. He, he hits the ball hard. He has a feel for lift, for, for loft and lifting the baseball. And even though he throws his hips, he really generates a lot of pull side power. And he had a couple of left center field, opposite field homers too. So I don't know what it's going to look like because I think once you get to the next level and you got, and you get right-handers throwing, you know, really nasty change-ups that tail away onto that outer, outer third, um, I wonder what it all looks like. He's shown the ability and an affinity to go the other way and play line to line. It's just, it's a peculiar swing and it hasn't been a swing that's worked for many big leaguers, but the proof is in the pudding. Like I know that's a cliche, but he just hasn't been fooled by much at Ole Miss. So we'll see at, or if you're talking like tools, like raw power, it's it probably solid average to above average, like 18 to 24 homers, 18 to 25 homers. Do you see him adding any more power? Cause he's not a guy that looks like he has, you know, a ton of projection left on that frame. It's. Yeah, it's, it's fairly filled out from what I've seen. Is that something you kind of agree with? Yeah, and you know, he filled it out fast. Like, he put on 30 pounds as a true freshman, which yes. is insane. I, yeah. Not the freshman 15. He did freshman 15 and then doubled it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's like, I don't have it in front of me. I think he's like 6'2", 6'3", 210 pounds. Like, he's a big kid now. Too big for as, as athletic as he is. He's probably too big to be playing shortstop at the next level. That's fair, but hey, that bat could stand out as a third baseman too, or or wherever he does. And I'm assuming third base is probably the the logical spot for him to slide over to. But we'll see what uh, whatever org he gets into, what they want to do with him. But yeah, the bat absolutely is exciting. He's gonna be one that I'm definitely following pretty closely here as as we get into the season here. Now we switch over to a player that is entirely different from Jacob Gonzalez in almost every way, shape, and form. But a guy that's very very exciting in his own right. 
Enrique Bradfield, outfielder from Vanderbilt, was previously drafted, but obviously went to Vanderbilt, and now he's increased his draft stock pretty pretty nicely. So tell us tell us a bit about Enrique Bradfield here. Yeah, I mean, he was a big dude in, in 2020. He had plenty of guys, I know of two teams, in fact, that made him money offers in the second round, and he just said, you know, I, I can do better than that. I'm going to go to school. Despite his size and his prototype, he's still projectable. Six foot one, 170, six foot one, 175. Bat speed is there. I mean, his average exit velocities are, are pretty good. And I'd you the thing that I'm really interested with Enrique Bradfield is this is an 80 runner. I, should, I probably should have led with that, but it's the <laughs> fastest player in the class by far. And he might be the fastest player in baseball right now if he were to step onto a big league field. That being said, you know, I, I, I wonder if the changing meta in Major League Baseball, the bigger bases, the, you know, getting rid of this shift, I wonder if that really helps him out because he can play line to line. He can hit the ball through the right side. He can hit for a little bit of power. He plays premium defense and he steals bases. And, you know, previously, you know, if this was 2020, 2021, that sort of player who doesn't have that high end impact with the bat, but kind of has those extraneous tools, they fell down boards a little bit. Like speed didn't kill in the last few years. I'm wondering if the new age of baseball that these new rules are going to usher in, if that's going to change his draft value. This is a guy that I think could sneak his way up boards as arguably the highest floor in the first round um and a guy that adds value in every phase of the game yeah he's interesting and he's going to be a really fun one to watch it seems like there's definitely some projectable power still left in the frame and his max ev is kind of nuts from what i've seen you know he doesn't hit the ball consistently hard but it seems like he's can get to it and may get to it more and more pair that with some speed and seems like a really intriguing player here enrique bradfield yeah, no, absolutely. And just to kind of put it in perspective, he has 93 steals across two seasons at Vanderbilt in 129 games. He's been caught six times. Those were all <laughs> in 2021. He was 46 for 46 last year, while slashing 317, 415, 498. A little bit more walks than strikeouts. Yeah, I think obviously the speed is there. Like you mentioned, that like he's arguably the fastest runner in all of baseball, regardless of college, minors, pros. Shows, you know, a good feel for hitting. If that power can really tick up, do you think he can be like a double-digit power guy at the next level, Joe, or is he more like single-digit guy? No, I think that he could be a guy that hits nine to fifteen home runs at his peak. Like I, I, I look at the Kenny Lofton comp, and I think it's Ooh. you know pretty much spot on. Like that's a guy that you know towards the middle of his career, that twenty-nine to thirty-two range, he was hitting fourteen to eighteen homers, you know, yep. on like a four-year basis, whilst also stealing forty bases. So that's what I look at. Like if I'm I know that you guys do a lot of fantasy. If I'm looking at like fantasy guys, guys that are going to move up the ladder fast, guys that are going to steal bases, they're going to get on base, and they're going to be available. Like Enrique Bradfield is, if not the top guy, like top two. Yeah, no, I like that. And obviously, speed is everyone in the fantasy world is always looking for speed, and this guy definitely has it. What about like a, you know, I was kind of thinking like Carl Crawford. Do you think that's roughly a fair range for him too? Obviously. Hopefully, without all the injuries and the you know the pretty pretty steep decline late in his career, but that's kind of like what I was thinking with with Enrique Bradfield. Maybe a little more power from Crawford than Bradford got too, but yeah, definitely very very exciting. And I think people tend to forget like how good Kenny Lofton was. Like I think he gets a little you know undersold because he didn't have obviously he wasn't hitting a lot of home runs and all that, but the dude was just one of the top you know top of the order guys in my childhood. Like I remember watching those those '90s Cleveland teams and. He was a set in the table, and you know I loved watching Kenny Lofton play. So, you know, hearing you comp 
you know, Bradfield, or at least not directly, but in, in one way, shape, or form to Kenny Lofton. That, that is very, very exciting. All right. So, oh, Chris, what what about, what are your thoughts here on Bradfield? Oh, no, I mean, I, I obviously think he's extremely talented. I just had, I think the power could come around and the speed obviously is elite. So, now, do you think he's going to be in the FYPD rankings? Do you think he's going to be a guy that you're going to have top 10? Obviously, it's hard to say. We still got a few months to go, but do you see him being a top 10 guy for you? Yeah, I think so. Pending that his season goes how we expect, I think that that game changing speed with some power is just too much to pass up. Yeah, no, same here. I, he's firmly in that second tier for me. Obviously, a lot of these top collegiate guys, plus Dolander and a couple of the high school bats are tier one for me, but he's right in the thick of tier two and a guy that could move up a little bit too. That speed is so damn good. If he shows a bit more power this year, uh, that's going to be incredibly exciting. All right, the last collegiate bat we're going to talk should, about. Whoops, go ahead. I should go qualify. Ahead, I should qualify this by saying, and we started before the show, I'm terrible at fantasy baseball, so I have no idea what the inherent <laughs> values of these players are. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I just needed to qualify that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why we have you here to get the information that we can call. <laughs> I'll give speed. you the information. You guys can just steamroll me in fantasy baseball every year. Hey, people love speed, though, and Bradfield absolutely has that. All right, last name here on for our hitting part of this show here. It feels like there's always like that one good player that doesn't play at the big school. You know, this past year, like Chase DeLouder, you know, Colton Cowser, these types of guys that just do so well, but people kind of wonder, well, they didn't have the top-notch competition so you know how can they fare against you know bigger bigger name arms when they get into minor leagues and that guy as of now could be jacob wilson in this draft class you know plays a little bit of shortstop you know kind of plays a couple different positions here but 63190 plays for grand canyon university show of hands anybody that knows grand canyon university out there in the WAC conference he had 12 home runs last year with a 358 418 585 slash line and 25 walks to seven strikeouts in 275 games. Joe, what's the uh, what's the divvy on this guy? Dude can hit. Dude can really, really, really hit. Uh, elite bats of ball skills. Pole to pole. Mostly gap stuff, gap power, to be honest with you. The Grand, Grand Canyon University is a bit of a launching pad, so the homers and the slugging percentage are a little bit inflated. But, yeah, I mean... It's it's a, it's impossible to get this guy out. It's impossible to strike him out. He's the son of Jack Wilson, who was a Pittsburgh Pirates mainstay at shortstop forever. I think Jacob Wilson could go in one of two directions this year. He needs to hit the ball harder. I mean, he's a six foot three inch, hundred ninety pound shortstop. He's an average shortstop. I wouldn't say that he's some defensive gem at the position, but he could probably play the position at the next level. But I don't think the hit tool alone is going to get him up into the top five, top ten picks. So. If he hits the ball harder this year and shows a little bit more impact coming out of that frame, I think he's a guy that is like sneaky 1-1. But ultimately, he's also a guy that if he doesn't hit the ball any harder, you know, he could fall down the board to end of the first, early second round. So if you are looking for a guy that has the best chance of, you know, hitting 300 at the next level, this is your guy. So obviously, you know, you look at his, you know, profile doesn't provide really any, doesn't look like he has any desire to run either. He's only attempted two steals in his collegiate career, so we can kind of throw that by the wayside. But do you think he gets to enough power? Like, obviously, you said one of the best bats in the class, hard to strike out, can hit 300. You know, one of the guys that could hit 300, obviously, which is which is saying a, a lot because that, that is high praise right there for a hit tool. How much power do you think he ultimately gets to? Like, I think that's what people want to hear. Like, is he just going to be like a kind of like a Luis Ares type where it's like, oh, yeah, he's hitting 300, 310, but it's like 
seven home runs or something like that? Or do you think he can be a guy that maybe gets to like 15, 16 at peak? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think he could get to 15 to 20 home runs at peak. I, you know, the biggest thing with Jacob Wilson, at least to my untrained eye, is he just needs to get stronger. Like the swing is very limsy. He he throws the barrel at the ball, which obviously does him wonders for the hit tool, but he doesn't really engage his lower or his core as much as he probably could considering the size of his frame. He's got long limbs. So I think if he puts on, you know, 10 or 15 pounds and really just shortens up the ball, which is a weird thing to say for a guy that struck out seven times, if, if he can just put a little bit more emphasis into the power and strength into that six foot three inch frame, yeah, I, I think he's the guy that could certainly hit, you know, 15 to 20 home runs because you know that the hit tool is going to get him 600 plate appearances at the next level, depending on where he goes. And the nice thing is he puts so many balls in play, too. It's like he just doesn't strike out or he doesn't walk. So when you put that many balls in play, it significantly increases your chances for counting stats, which is is huge. So for fantasy yeah. purposes, at least. I, I mean, say. he takes so much pride. I We interviewed him for the draft show that we do, and he takes so much pride in his swing and miss and the, and the low strikeout totals that I, I wonder when a coach is going to pull him aside and say, hey, I know that 92% contact is like amazing and you love that. But if we knock that down to 84 or 85% and get you trying to impact the baseball, your value doubles. So I wonder whether or not he'll be hesitant to that sort of change. I mean, his dad is old school. He's old school. So we'll see what kind of player he transits into. Awesome. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year, where he ends up in the draft. Probably, like you said, could go a lot of different directions there so let's transition now into pitchers looking at some of the top arms in the class we could start like you said with chase dolander i mean i think he's easily the top pitcher in this year's class and i just want to hear a little bit more from you in a breakdown of what you think about dolander and what we can expect from him this year and beyond i mean ultimately he checks every single box he's He's Prospects Live's number one prospect for this class. And I know, you know, philosophically, some scouts and some organizations are totally against taking pitchers with 1-1. But he's athletic. He's long, high-waisted, long limbs, up to 99, a double-plus slider, a plus curveball. He's already flashing an above-average split change. Uh, excellent, excellent command of the baseball. Doesn't walk anybody fills up the uh, the box score with strikeouts and he does all of this in the sec and i think you know even another piece of this that really makes him attractive is the fact that he just started doing it you know this isn't a guy that's been throwing 99 since he was 17 this is a guy that just found all of this velocity with some added weight added training and a growth spurt at georgia southern so he kind of has that trajectory of this could get even better like he's still reasonably green in terms of high end pitching so Short of an injury, short of his command failing him, Chase Dolander, for me, is it's, he's the best college pitcher I've seen. Well, frankly, I've been doing this like religiously, like for a career, if you will, if you want to call it that, since 2015. 2014 is when I started writing about the draft. He's by far the best college pitcher I've seen in that time frame. And the scouts that I've talked to have him in that same bucket as Strasburg and Garrett Cole so I don't know how you can pass that sort of talent up for any of the hitters that potentially have some red flags 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what Strasburg was oh nine and Cole was like eleven or twelve, if I recall. Probably a year yeah. off either way with those two. But yeah, that's that, that you know, that was eleven, twelve, thirteen years ago. And I was I was trying to think of the last time. And I think I started like really getting into, you know, the prospect scene and looking at, you know, the draft and whatnot. Probably a little bit after you did. I was probably like 2016, 2017. But I was trying to think back. I was looking back on my all my rankings that I have in spreadsheets on my computer archived and whatnot. And I couldn't find anybody on any of my spreadsheets that I liked more. Any pitcher, even even high school arms. Like I didn't like Casey Mize this much. I didn't like Espino this much. Like I couldn't find anybody that I liked as much as I like Chase Olander. Like you mentioned, all the great stuff he has. And on top of that, commands it so well, doesn't walk anybody. Like he only walked four point three percent of batters last year while having a thirty five point three percent K rate. Like that what That's else insane. could you ask for? That's <laughs> yeah. To have that good of a stuff and to be able to command it that well. This is a, a combination you don't see very often. So yeah, and obviously and against top notch talent in the SEC as well. So yeah, I don't know what else you can you can ask for from a guy like Chase Olander. I'm all on board with him, like all in, hundred percent all in on this guy. Very high praise there from Joe. So that's gonna be a, a definitely an arm to watch. Got another SEC arm in Paul Skeens from LSU. Love to hear a little bit more about him. Obviously, really big frame, six yeah. six. 235, maybe even bigger, but what does he bring to the table here? Yeah, so transfer out of Air Force, huge. Six foot six, like you said, 245, 250 pounds. I think he might have actually shaved 10 pounds. He looks a little bit leaner than he did at Air Force. Maybe it's just the white, maybe it's just the white LSU jersey, but he's having a monster fall and excuse me, a monster spring. And when this thing kicks off here in a few weeks, I think he's going to be a guy that really gets the bright lights on him. He's been up to 99. He's throwing 90 mile an hour sliders with two plane break. He's manipulating the the baseball. And he just, you know, I know it's cliche, but he looks the part, right? I mean, he just looks the part. He's athletic enough to to play two ways. He's going to be their designated hitter this year. So yeah, Paul Skeens, three pitch guy, starter body up to 99, durable and 80 makeup. I mean, the best human being you could ever speak to. And, you know, that may be the, the two years at Air Force, but every stop has been dominance. So I, I'm frankly terrified to see what Wes Johnson is going to turn this kid into before draft day. Yeah, they've definitely got a talented crop of not only pitchers, hitters, but also coaching staff, too. So, you know, what they can do, I'm excited to see there with Skeens. Eric, anything? you've seen from schemes that you like no i think joe really hit it on the head there it doesn't quite have the command and control obviously that delander has though who really does but (laughs) yeah very exciting three pitch mix had a you know great year at air force you know great two years at air force transitioning into the rotation this past year after being out of the bullpen as their closer back in 2021 yeah this guy is high upside obviously the big frame i love to see that but not like too big like you know, he's got a really strong frame. So I like that a lot as well. Yeah, I really, really interested to see what he can do now that he's over in LSU now. I think it's going to be, you know, a very, very big year for Skeen. So he's definitely one I'm definitely going to be trying to catch as many of his starts as I can. So we've talked a lot about SEC players. We'll shift over to the ACC. There, Wake Forest is what we call a pitching factory, too. Like they've pumped out a lot of first round arms. They have another one here in Rhett Louder. See him as a, is he going in the you know, upper half of the first round, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he is a he's the polar opposite of these two. It's kind of a smaller guy, 6'2", like 180, 6'2", 185, ACC pitcher of the year last year. But Lauder has, I mean, he has some of the best pitchability 
not to mention stuff, but some of the best pitchability in the class. He can really work it to both sides of the plate. Up into the mid-90s, he'll touch 97. He'll live in the low 90s, kind of 92 to 94 later in starts with uh, running life. And he'll mix in a good slider in the low 80s. But the changeup from this guy, especially tunneled off the fastball, I mean, it is diabolical. It's, it's the only word that I continue using for it. Really parachutes and, and falls off the fastball tunnel late. And he'll throw that with 10 to 12 miles an hour of separation comfortably one of the best change-ups in this class, comfortably plus. Um, and he can pitch backwards with it. He's not afraid to, you know, show a left-handed hitter a change-up 0-0. He's not afraid to throw it 2-0. And he can work it to both sides of the plate with that short a short slider. And he commands the baseball well. So uh, he's a better athlete than Paul Skeens. He's a, he's a whippier arm. He gets down the mound a little bit faster than Paul Skeens. And so some scouts think that, you know, there might be a little bit left in this guy too. He might be a guy that's sitting 95 to 96 at the, at the next level with the changeup that, I mean, it's Bugs Bunny. And man, as someone that grew up watching Pedro Martinez with the Bugs Bunny changeup, that guy that, could, like you said, is not afraid to throw it whenever. Like he knows it's a good pitch. He doesn't care. It's 2002 or anywhere in the middle. Lefty, righty, doesn't give a crap. Like I love that type of arm. And I have appreciation for, you know, more of the power changeup as well, like Felix Hernandez, Sandy Alcantara. But I've always loved the good, you know, Bugs Bunny. Like you mentioned Bugs Bunny changeup. That's what Pedro had. Like, I don't forget exactly what Pedro's velocity was, but he was about, you know, 12 to 50 miles an hour separation from that fastball. And I love that. You see hitters just completely flail when they're caught off guard by it. And if you can sequence well and really catch these guys off guard, you know, it's, you're going to have a lot of those bad swing and misses. So, yeah, he's, this is a, I just have a, a very high appreciation for changeups like this. So, yeah, Rhett Louder is definitely a really fun, fun arm to watch for sure. All right, to a back to the SEC again, another Florida product. <laughs> we mentioned Florida, LSU, obviously elite programs, but Hurston Waldrop, a right-handed pitcher, kind of similar to Louder in that sense of being six foot two, you know, a little bit, I don't say small, but smaller compared to at least like Skeens. What do we see in Waldrop? And could you see him pushing to being one of the, the top arms behind Dollander? Yeah, a little bit more question marks with Waldrop. This is this is Jack Leiter reincarnate. This is, you know, Walker Bueller all over again. He transferred to Florida this year out of Southern Miss, but he was an animal at Southern Miss. He was an animal at the Super Regionals. All of his stuff is played at Team USA. All of his stuff is played into, into Omaha. I mean, this guy has nasty stuff. Up to 99 with that super vertical hopping fastball that just chews through bats at the top of the zone. Really firm slider, 85 to 88, touching 89. Might be the best curveball in the class. It's got big downer 12-6 shape. I mean, really, it's it's all of the same stuff that we saw from Jack Leiter two years ago. And, you know, he's flashed an above average blitter at times, so it's a, it's a little bit more inconsistent. Super athlete, super explosive, almost to a fault. Like, he he moves with such violence, not... It's it's interesting. It's not effortful, which scares scouts. It's violent, which is like how Jack Leiter used to move. But super electric arm, true power pitcher, bulldog on the mound. I, I think scouts want to see him be able to dial back the the aggression a little bit, just so people think you know this six foot one inch frame, six foot two inch frame is. It's going to survive the rigors of 180 to 200, 200 innings at the next level. But this stuff is, this stuff is huge. Awesome. Yeah. It's been interesting to see a lot of these, you know, the transfer portal has really changed the dynamic with a lot of these guys, talented guys going to yep. you know, these big time programs. So 
it's they're certainly going to be on full display this year when like with Skeens and Waldrop going to the SEC. So be fun to watch. This last name I selfishly put on here because he's a local, obviously, in South Carolina. And I'm am genuinely curious if you see Will Sanders being a first rounder and being considered at one of the top college arms in the class. So obviously I've watched him a lot. I really like what he brings to the table. Big frame, added a lot of weight, and the fastball stuff's really good. I'm just wondering your thoughts on him. Yeah, Will Sanders is the type of arm that gets drafted. I don't care where he gets drafted. You know, he could get drafted 15, he could get drafted 55, and then in 2026, he's the best arm to come out of this class. Like six foot six, 205 pounds. He's going to add 10 or 15 pounds more weight. He's going to add more velocity. He's already, you know, mid 90s up to 97. The slider is solid, good shape, great consistency, probably the most consistent slider in the class or something. Maybe not like Dolanders, but it's it's close. You know, it's he's got a good feel for spin. And he's also got feel for a really solid changeup that is, you know, right there with Louder. Not quite as good, but it's a really solid pitch. The biggest thing with Will Sanders this year is he just needs to miss more bats with the fastball. It's kind of a generic shape. And he'll kind of his his velocity will kind of peter there towards the fourth, fifth, sixth inning. So if he shows a little bit more physicality this year and he shows the ability to miss bats with that fastball. It's a guy that could jump into the top 10, no questions asked. And that's what I was going to ask you is what the bat missing ability, because you know, while he hasn't had, you know, he, he misses bats. I was just not as, you know, as highly as all these other names we've talked about, but yeah, like he passes the eye test for sure. But obviously pe- people that are playing fantasy baseball that are, that are listening to the show, obviously strikeouts are a big component of it. So I think people want to know, like, can, you think this guy can take that next step with that K rate and you know maybe get up into the, you know, maybe be a 26, 27, maybe even higher percent K rate guy at the next level. Yeah. And listen, he's got good command of the baseball and, you know, I'll bring it back locally here. Like George Kirby doesn't have a metrically sexy fastball. It's not a fastball that's supposed to miss bats, but he commands it well. And if Will Sanders can be the guy that just gets a feel for finding the top of the strike zone with that fastball, considering the velocity, he'll be fine. He seems like a prototypical like Yankee starter, like they would like to draft. So I'd be curious if they went no, that way. No, 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 no. They have enough good prospects. I need to get some good prospects here in Boston. No, no. The Yankees can stay away from all these guys. All right. So we talked about a lot of the top names here, but let's talk about some guys that could rise up draft boards this year. We'll go back to the hitting side here. Let's talk about a guy named Matt Shaw. How high, you know, if he has a good spring here, how, how high do you think he could rise up draft boards? A number one, like number one that, overall. That high, huh? Yeah, number one overall. Like, this is a guy that had a monster year last year in the Big Ten for Maryland. And he's not the biggest guy. Like, he's six foot one, but he checks a lot of athletic boxes. He's really bouncy, really twitchy. He's got bat speed. He can play shortstop. He played center field on the Cape. A lot of people think he can play center field at the next level. Gonna steal bases. Fantastic. I think Matt Shaw is, you know, I'm not gonna go as far as to say I think he's the best player in this class, but. We know how the money games work at the top of the draft. This is a guy that could hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bases while playing up the middle of the field at the next level. I mean, he could be a 2020 guy. So, you know, I, I think I, I continue to draw similarities to Alex Bregman when Alex Bregman was at LSU. Matt Shaw's got a little bit more power than that, and he moves better than Bregman. But it's that same type of player, right? He can move kind of all over the diamond and just fit wherever his team needs and when the bat is ready to go. Very high praise, yeah. yeah. And I'm he a dominant guy. Yeah, yeah. 
he dominated on the Cape, which is normally a big encouraging thing for college bats. He's like to see that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it was it, a terrible. It was a terrible year on the Cape, like weather wise, yeah, temperature wise. No, nobody hit on the Cape this year, and Matt Schaub blistered the ball, and still a ton of bags too. You know, twenty one, oh, yeah. twenty one steals in his thirty six games. After a nice 22 home run, 12 steal year at Maryland over the spring. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a name to keep an eye on here that could really, you know, cement his name near the top of draft boards this summer. This next name here, Joe, is very interesting. There's always like, there's like these buckets of players, and he falls into the guy that I just call it just the strong bucket. He's strong in the power, the arm, but like everything else is like, where's that at? And that is Brock Wilkes, you know, back going back to Wake Forest here. Brock Wilkin, third baseman, big guy, big power, big arm, but has had some issues with, you know, hitting for average or making contact in general. Where do you see him being? Is he a guy that can, you know, will the bat be there enough to have the power play to to its full extent? I, I think so. You know, the weird thing with Wilkin is I think the swing and miss is a little bit overblown because his his contact rates are actually pretty good. He's He's making a lot of contact. His issue is he's too passive at times. He's just letting balls go that are that are in the zone. So I think just a simple swing approach change could really unlock something for him. You know, I don't think he's ultimately a guy that's going to be a 280 hitter at the college level. I think this is going to be a huge year for Brock Wilkin, like a 335, 340 year with 25 home runs type of year. And if he proves that he can play third base, and listen, he's got every bit of the throwing arm necessary to play over there. He is a below average runner with kind of below average fringy range. So I'm not sure whether or not he's going to be able to make every play to his left. But if he proves that he can even play a marginal or average third base, I mean, the Minnesota Twins made it work with Miguel Sano for like a decade. So <laughs> Brock, Brock Wilkin could be a guy that really surges up draft boards because I think if you're looking for the best power in this class at least on the college side brock wilkin is going to be on the short list the top two or three guys that can hit 40 home runs the next level if if the hit tool buoys high enough yeah and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're not like too concerned about the hit tool right now because yeah that that power is super super like you said this could be a 35 40 homer bat and these don't grow on trees so yeah, definitely very encouraging to hear that you're not too worried about that hit tool right yet Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think he's he's probably a bit undervalued on draft boards right now. And if he can just, you know, it sounds weird. He's going to be a little bit better protected this year in the Wake Forest lineup than he has been in years past with Nick Kurtz being really a feared, a feared slugger now. If he can just start ambushing pitches or, you know, get the fastball and hit the fastball and not try to get cute, I think he could have a mammoth year. Chris, are you a, are you a Brock Woken guy? Yeah, and he's he's one I think could pop off. I agree. I remember, I I think it was Jeff Ponce really had talked him up after the Cape two summers ago. And that's when I kind of really began to watch him a little bit closer. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him really rocket up boards. And the talent's there, the pops there, everything you kind of want to see. So yeah, it'll be fun to watch him this year at Wake. Yeah, absolutely here. Last name of this trio we had on the board. Great name. I was I was talking with Chris before the show. Like, there's a lot of names on here that they feel like throwback names. It's a little bit, Joe, like names you would have seen like 
play in like 1912 or something like that. It was one <laughs> of old school names. And this is definitely one of them. Colton Ledbetter, outfielder from Sanford, not Stanford. I was I, I used to get those two when I was a kid. Stanford and Sanford. I used to go, always screw up every time. So Samford University, which is in Alabama, not California, but very exciting outfielder. What can you tell us about Colton Ledbetter? Yeah, so Colton Ledbetter is the analytic darling of this class. Everybody loves the contact rates, the chase rates, the huge exit velos. So he was at Samford the last two years. And the reason why everyone's high on this kid is because he's transferred into Mississippi State to play center field for the Bulldogs. So if he can repeat what he's done the last couple of years and play center field for Mississippi State and hit, you know, 360 with 18 to 25 homers or, or whatever you want to give him, the guy that could surge into the top 15 picks of this draft. He's a left-handed hitter, beautiful swing, tons of loft, covers every area of the plate, uses the whole field. But, you know, granted, all of those cuts are at Samford. And so you really want to see what this looks like in the SEC. And if he's able to replicate that, he's the guy that's going to surge up draft boards at rocket speed. Yeah, and my apologies. I just realized I said Samford and not Mississippi State, so my apologies on that one. Chris, what are your thoughts on Colton Ledbetter? Honestly, I'm not that familiar with him, so definitely get to see him more playing the SEC this year. So should be a fun one to watch, and it's a name that I'm marked down to keep my eye on. Yeah, You wanted sleepers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like it. That's what we wanted. Yeah, that's why we brought you on, because obviously you, you know, we we like to, obviously we follow college as well, but no, this is really like your wheelhouse, so. We like to bring on people that, you know, really focus on a certain area to provide the insight that Chris and I can't right now. So, yeah, definitely appreciate a lot of these names here. A few more names before we hop out of here. We'll go over to the pitching side of things here. And we'll start with Levi Wells. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, Levi Wells is really interesting. He is he's a really big kid, first of all, but not a not a school that you see too often. Texas State. I shouldn't say a big kid. He he's a barrel-chested, broad-shouldered, six foot one, hundred ninety-five pounder, but really beautiful mechanics. Guy's been really pushing high, high to mid to high nineties velocity. He'll live ninety-four to ninety-five over long innings. And, and another thing that teams are really going to love is he throws up some insane spin rate. Like the curveball will will jump over twenty-eight hundred, uh, and he'll throw it hard. I mean, to throw the curveball with big depth, eighty-one to eighty-two. He was a big performer on the Cape, small school guy. So he's going to have the chance to really, you know, blow the competition out of the water. He's going to have to blow the competition out of the water to do that. But he's the type of guy that can fill a rotation spot at the next level. And especially if you can see this guy's stuff jumping just a little bit more, I think that, I think that he's a guy that could really surge up boards for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. And next name on the list here. Carson Montgomery, right-hander from Florida State University. One that, you know, if you went to his baseball reference page, you know, the numbers aren't quite there yet. In terms of his ERA and whip, both a bit high. What is it you see from Carson Montgomery that has you, you know, thinking this is the name that could break out this year? Yeah, Carson Montgomery had first-round grades uh, going back to his, his high school days, and he's just struggled to kind of miss bats with the fastball. Reports this spring are he's been 95 to 98 with a nasty, nasty sinker, as well as mixing in a four-seamer from a low slot. And, you know, kind of the meta in baseball right now is that flat riding fastball from a low slot. So he's got that going for him. He throws a really firm mid-80s slider with tons of sweep. Yeah, I mean, once when you're talking about a guy that is like the preeminent ace at Florida State and he's draft eligible and he's been a dude since high school, you kind of have to watch him. 
And with the stuff ticking up this spring, it's kind of hard to ignore him. And we've got our draft board, our, our refresh coming out tomorrow for our draft board. And he's going to be moving up quite handsomely. I think he's moving up about 20 spots. So the move is kind of already on. Yeah, that's good to hear. Definitely another name to keep an eye on. Yeah. And who was he drafted? Was he drafted by the Dodgers back in? I can't remember who he was drafted by that. He didn't you know, know, I don't even know who he was drafted by, but. It, I'm sure it was a situation where it was, man, you've got me stumped now. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I know. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of it too. I can't remember. I don't think anyone drafted him because that might've been the five round draft and he might've pulled his name out. Oh, um, that's right. That might've been it. Yeah. I think that might've been that year. How that five, five round draft. That was annoying, but <laughs> yeah. And another thing like Florida state was so loaded last year with arms. They had so many starters, you know, Hubbard and you can go down the list. Ross Dunn. He was pitching as their Tuesday guy. So he really didn't get the, the, you know, the bright lights. He's going to be the Friday night guy this year. And that comes with a lot of, I guess, social responsibility in terms of laying down the, laying down the hammer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Florida State always seems like they have a good pitching staff every year. And what, what do you know? We're back to one more Wake Forest guy here. <laughs> and another, like I was saying earlier, the, the old school name, Teddy McGraw. This is a great name. Good baseball name. What can you tell us about Teddy McGraw? I love Teddy. Teddy has a nasty, nasty sinker that's been up to 99 this spring. He's been a dude since uh, since high school. He's performed well on the Cape. He's performed well with Team USA. And all of a sudden this spring, he's mixing in 90 mile an hour sliders. And anytime you have that sort of combination of stuff, that arsenal coming out of what is an analytical monster in Wake Forest, he's already kind of going to be mentally ahead of the game in, in terms of seeing the numbers, making tweaks, and, and just jumping right into pro ball, like understanding the more advanced teachings that they're trying to supply you. So because of that, I think he's going to be a name that while he's probably like end of the first round, early second round right now, he's the guy that I think could jump up into that top 10 to 15 range too. Great. I, I love I loved Teddy McGraw's name. I, I get a look at, obviously, you know, I, I have seen him a little bit, but he's definitely a name I'm going to be looking into more. Thank you so much, Joe, for, for joining us today. Great, great insight as always. And again, what's some fun stuff coming up over there on Prospects Live? Yeah, so Monday, February 6th, we've got the top 300 refresh. So you can get a look at the top 300 prospects in the in the draft as, as we see it right now. We have a twice-weekly MLB Draft podcast on YouTube if you want to go introduce yourself to these players and get to know them. And then I have a weekly podcast going over the different storylines in the draft and guys know at patreon.com slash overslot. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe, again. This was a really fun episode. We hope everyone enjoyed it and got some some insight into this year's top names in the collegiate ranks and maybe some names that could you know sneak up on some people. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow Chris and I on Twitter at RotoClegg, at EricRess04. Joe is at Joe Doyle, M-I-L-B. And, of course, our show is at Toolshed Pod. And join us again next time for more prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.